Louisiana Eats is brought to you with support from Louisiana Fish Fry, a staple of Louisiana kitchens for nearly 40 years. Maker of batters, coatings, boils, tartar sauce, cocktail sauce, and more. Dig into homemade Louisiana flavor. From our studios in the Southern Food and Beverage Museum in New Orleans, this is Louisiana Eats. I'm Poppy Tooker. After a few glorious months where it looked as if the worst of the pandemic was behind us, a new surge of COVID-19 is now bearing down on Louisiana with a vengeance. says the peak of the state's latest coronavirus surge may be weeks away, which could be a catastrophic scenario for hospitals already overrun with COVID-19 patients. During a said on average 500 people in Jefferson Parish are being diagnosed with the virus daily. Nearly 600 people are hospitalized, including a growing number of children. More than On Monday, uh, I told you that 2,079 children had tested positive per that day's report. Since that press conference, in just four days, another 3,939 children, these are people below the age of 18, have tested positive in Louisiana. A new enemy variant called Delta is coming after us, and this time, it's after our children with cases projected to peak sometime between September and November, elected officials and business leaders are weighing new measures to stem the outbreak. Jazz Fest has been canceled. And the hospitality industry that's already been decimated by the crisis is once again staring at an uncertain future and bracing for the worst. Do you feel like you're watching the sequel to a horror movie we've lived since the pandemic began? As infections, hospitalizations, and deaths skyrocket to new heights? I do. Back in March of 2020, when the COVID-19 lockdown was in full swing, our Louisiana Eats crew began producing shows together remotely via something we just discovered called Zoom. With those interviews and ones recorded by our video collaborators, Jonathan Evans and Marion Gay, we kept abreast of the food news from New Orleans and across Louisiana, at that time, the epicenter of the outbreak nationally. So much was completely unknown back then. How was this virus transmitted? Would shuttered restaurants and bars ever open again? A week after the shutdown, Creole cuisine restaurant concepts scale down from over two dozen businesses to a single takeout location and two drive through daiquiri shops. CEO Marva Mari told us he felt as though his life's energy was being sucked from his soul as he laid off over 1,300 employees. How I'm feeling is, is um, a lot of feelings, anger, um, uh, confused, uh, a lot of things going on in my head than has been for the last seven, nine days, but uh, this is obviously uh, um, breaking my heart in a way, and just because you got a lot of the staff uh, out there and we have no idea exactly what the next steps are. It's a fluid conversation, so we're learning things daily and we're adjusting to it. You have the head and you got the heart, so the brain is telling you what to do and the heart is telling you maybe something different. But at the end of the day, you, you, you got to protect the company. 
so the company is there when we come back you know to reopen these units somebody has to manage it and you got to put the business hat on so it's a tough kind of uh, situation to be in to make the right and the best call for all not for one not for the family not for the owners or the investors but everybody associated with it so I have faith and um, I connect with the Holy Father every day in the morning at night and I ask for guidance to make the right decision, not just selfishly, but just for the uh, best of the people. I've been in business for 31 years and I have not seen anything like this. This is global, everybody's scratching their heads. For me, I dealt with Katrina, oil spill, uh, so many evacuation that crashed in 2008, um, but this is gonna be a new one in my book. I definitely will learn because I'm in a tunnel. According to 2018 federal data, it's estimated that well over 172,000 people were employed by restaurants and bars in Louisiana when coronavirus first hit last spring. When lockdown measures were put into place, workers were laid off or furloughed in staggering numbers. Longtime advocate for service industry workers and manager at Bartonique, Mark Shetler, described the desperation of those days. I saw, um, it's disappointing but understandable. I saw people in, um, you know, I'm a member of all kind of groups on Facebook, private groups, secret groups, um, you know, open groups, whatever, everything related to the industry. If they're talking about it, I want to be there. And last night, um, it's like I said, it's disappointing, but understandable. People were starting to talk about if they don't help us, we're going to riot in the streets. We're going to burn this thing down, you know, whatever. And it all got shut down real quick for every one person saying that there had to have been 15 or 20 saying you need to, to calm down. Um, I've also seen people starting to talk about, um, the, the mental stress. So, um, you know, if people are talking about violence outside of, of their house, you had damn sure better believe that people are thinking about doing it inside their house. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we need those mental resources to start getting out. Um, uh, we already lost somebody in New Orleans or from the New Orleans community last week. Um, so I've been doing everything I can to get in touch with whatever leader or stakeholder I can in every corner of the industry. I've asked either directly or in some form, what's your biggest fear right now? Every single person, every one of them, without a second thought, has said rent. Everybody. When the city announced um, the eviction suspension, I kind of looked at that, and I'm enormously appreciative, but it's only the first step. If you can take the fear of the bills that are coming due off of people and make sure that there's going to be food on the table and then start talking about putting money in people's hands, if we can get that stuff out there, I think in a very tangible sense, we get to a good place. Uh, you know, all of these laws that are being talked about, you know, they're talking about $50 billion for the airline industry. I mean, look, Mazel tov, I'm not here to step on someone else's hustle. If that's what you can get, get it, girl. Like, happy for you. But we don't get, it, it seems like we can't get through. And, you know, nobody's actually out here trying to listen to us. We need our rent paid, you know? We need food on the table. We'll get through this. We'll get through this. We're healers. We know how to do it. 
we can circle the wagons, we can take care of ourselves. But like when the bank wants their money, we got to give it to them. With no quick governmental relief in sight, hospitality workers, many who live from paycheck to paycheck, found themselves without food for their families. Isaac Toops stepped up to the plate, feeding hundreds who showed up daily for the free family meal at Toops Meadery. We decided right away that we we're going to feed all of our employees. You know, we're going to feed the employees, and the employees have families, so we need to feed them. So this kind of snowballed into the family meal program, which we're working right now. So even though we can only do takeout business, every day at 3 p.m., we're feeding anybody in need of a meal. There's a lot of people who've been laid off, and a lot of people who just need some, something to eat. Uh, we, we started with the service industry, and we started with helping our people out, but the more resources we get, the more people we're gonna serve. And I will serve as many people as humanly possible. And even after this is over, we're gonna help out as many people as we absolutely can. And hopefully we can all get back to something resembling normal. I mean, what's gonna be normal after this? Do you know? I don't know. Just like every major event, whether it's Katrina or uh, anything else going on, you gotta remain calm. You gotta be, you gotta be ice cold killer. You gotta be the samurai warrior. You gotta remain calm and just you gotta take it day by day because I don't know what tomorrow's gonna bring. I don't know if they're gonna shut us down tomorrow. I don't know if they're gonna lift the ban tomorrow. What do you think uh, the government could do to help restaurants in this situation? Uh, I think the government, and excuse my language, could work better together. Uh, and enough of this partisan We got a global pandemic going on and we need as much help as we can get. I'll get off my soapbox as of now, but uh, any assistance would be helpful. I don't mind coming, I'm here almost every day, uh, work, working away, that's my job, that's what I do. I help, I, we help people. I'd feel bad if I didn't, so it's really easy for me to come in here and crank out family meal for everybody else. And uh, you know, it's good to see the community get together. New Orleans has been through this, we'll go through it again, bring it on. It's all we can do, we gotta, we gotta stick together, we don't have a choice, right? Right. Stick and stay together. Too dumb to be scared, that's our motto. Like those in the service sector, healthcare workers were soon pushed to the brink by the pandemic, holding the front lines of this war to save lives. Devin DeWolf and the crew of Red Beans were among the first to step up to feed and care for those who were caring for the sick and dying. The crew of Red Beans saw to it that meals from local restaurants were delivered daily to every hospital and healthcare institution in the city of New Orleans. From March 14th through May 5th, here in New Orleans, they delivered 90,000 meals, along with 10,000 cups of coffee and cookies, all entirely crowdfunded, the largest operation of its kind in America. Devin got this idea when his wife, a local ER doctor, described the morale boost brought on by a colleague bringing in cookies on a particularly trying day. The idea is that a hospital worker, when facing the greatest challenge um, that they've ever had, should be eating not a government-issued food. <laughs> and we have good food here, so let's, let's deploy that good food. I'll say what's also been amazing is I've gotten message from people. Uh, there was a woman who messaged us and said, um, 
My father died. She said, uh, you know, you're not sending food to this place yet, but I heard about you. And, um, you know, they took, they took really good care. So can you please send them food? And we did. And then she was just like very happy because even though terrible her father had passed away, um, it was a way that she could show her appreciation to the hospital staff. And I think for the hospital staff, when they're dealing with this thing, they obviously know how many of their patients die. And to receive that pick-me-up, I think, is a, it's going to help them kind of sustain. Like, obviously, things are terrible right now, the worst in my lifetime ever. And that's probably true for everybody. So having a little tiny ray of hope is, uh, I think, a good thing. But the question remained, how is this virus transmitted? Everything that anyone touched became suspect. Here's Alan Shia of Saba. It's been super stressful. This has been one of the hardest weeks that Emily and I have ever had in our entire lives. Really quickly, we just kind of geared up to begin doing takeout and delivery, uh, you know, and allowing people to stay at home so we can deliver food to them or when they come to pick it up and we put the food on the hood of their car, you know, we're doing everything we can to keep things safe for the whole community. We're all doing our best to like keep our health and the health of the people around us as our first priority. Uh, but we also know that in times like this, people need food and this is what we do. And uh, that I think for Emily and I brings us a sense of accomplishment in the middle of in the middle of all of this that we can actually do something that makes people feel good and makes them feel better. I believe in New Orleanians and I believe in in our community and, and that we will prevail. By early 2021, vaccinations were being distributed, COVID cases declined, businesses reopened to full capacity, children went back to school, and fall festivals were planned. Today, the Delta variant of the virus seems to have put us back to square one. Most terrifying to me is that this time, the Delta variant seems to have taken aim at our children. Those too young to be vaccinated are most at risk. Coming up next, Physician and educator Dr. Corey Abair talks about how we got here and where we're headed next and what we can do to keep everyone, including our children, safe. Louisiana Eats returns after a break. I'm Poppy Tooker, and you're listening to Louisiana Eats edible content for Louisiana food lovers. Louisiana Eats is brought to you with major support from Camellia Brand, Beans Done Right, a New Orleans tradition since 1923. From Rouse's Markets, synonymous with seafood straight from Louisiana's waterways. Rouse's Markets, tastes like home. And from Crystal Hot Sauce, made with three simple ingredients, 
aged red cayenne peppers, distilled white vinegar, and salt. Nothing artificial. Crystal Hot Sauce, how New Orleans does flavor. I'm Dr. Corey Bear, professor at LSU Health Sciences Center and Tulane University Medical Center and chief medical editor for NBC Television for the Gulf South, which you know as WDSU. Dr. Corey Bear is a busy man. In addition to his work as a professor, practicing physician, and pediatric specialist, Dr. Bear's a media personality known for his signature bow tie and motivational speaking. Regularly featured on network and cable television, Dr. Bear also hosts a popular weekly radio talk show on the Cumulus Broadcasting Network called Doctor for the People. He's also a grade school chum of our producer and special projects manager, Reggie Morris, who arranged for us to have this conversation. Dr. Bear has been a prominent voice throughout the pandemic, offering highly informative live streams where he provides insight on the latest COVID-19 data and developments. With the recent explosion in coronavirus cases here in Louisiana, I was eager to discuss how we got here and what the Delta variant means for our state's children, those too young to be vaccinated. Dr. Bear, I am so honored that you would jump on this Zoom call with me today. From your point of view, could you give me uh, how and where you see us at right now? Yes. So, you know, it, it's, a, it's a hard place to be in. And the reason why it's so hard is because we didn't have to be here. Um, you know, this whole COVID-19 for the last 18, 19 months has been so politicized that if we had just done the things that, and I hate to be e- egocentric here, but I said, wash up, mask up, separate and vaccinate. That's all we had to do. And that's all we did do for a while. But then people started getting a little loosey-goosey. They didn't want to take the vaccine. They took their masks off and wanted things to go back to normal just a little too fast. And that has caused this problem. The the reason why we have variants and mutations is because the virus, the virus is always trying to kill you. That's its job. And it will jump from person to person. It is a living thing that wants to kill you. So when, and I just, I like to put it like this, you know, like if you used to go to Tipitina's, and love Tipitinas, right? And they had a big old bouncer in the front of Tipitinas. And so let's think of your immune system as the bouncer. And then let's say they had a bunch of hooligans that wanted to get into Tipitinas. And they would walk up to that door and they had knives. But that bouncer had a knife too. And they try to fight that bouncer and the bouncer would win and then they'd go home, right? right? But when they came back, they knew that bouncer had a knife. So they came back with guns. Then they kill the bouncer and then get into patinas. Okay. That is basically a mutation in the viral scenario because what happens is the virus comes in, your immune system, if it's vaccinated or if it's not vaccinated, tries to fight it and then it goes away. But then when it comes back, it has gotten all the information that it needed so that it can evade the bouncer. But the only way that can happen is if it's constantly 
replicating in other people. So the more it's replicating, the more it's getting that information to come back and kill you. And that's where we are. Not enough people got vaccinated. Too many people kept getting infected. We started spreading this all around the, uh, all around the United States from Mardi Gras. And then now we are getting into Tipitina's because we have shotguns and the voucher is not necessarily going to work and it's definitely not going to work forever. So what does that mean? How do we stay safe now? Because that's what I am so frightened about. I, I literally just double masked for the first time sure. because I'm frightened. I'm double vaccinated, but I can't afford a mild case of this thing. Right. Well, a couple of things that we're going to do. First of all, um, the people that are have not gotten vaccinated, that have dug in so deep because for the last nine months and telling you why they're not all the, the Facebook science they've learned and blah, blah, blah. Those people, once the FDA says this is approved, they're going to get the vaccine. Now, it's not because they think it's approved and it's safe. Let's be very clear, because what happened, what happened was that whether the vaccine has emergency use approval or full approval, they don't care. People don't care if you don't want to get vaccines. That's not what, what it is. But they've been so ridiculous up until this point that they can't say they're scared now. They can't because they're terrified. They're terrified. But they can't say that because if that would show that for the last nine months, they've been a jackass, basically. OK, so now what they're going to do is use this FDA authorization, full authorization as an out to say, oh, OK. I'm going to go ahead and get it now because of that. That's what they're going to do. So I do expect an increase of people getting vaccinated with the full approval, not because they think it's any different and it's safer. It's because this is going to be their psychological out so they don't look like jackasses for not getting it for the entire eight months. So that's going to help. The second thing we're going to have to do is we're going to have to go back to the way we were before, meaning. We have to wash up, I mean, keep our hands washed. I was in the airport just the other day. Nine men walked out. Six of them didn't wash their hands, okay? So people are not taking their shoes off before they go in their houses. People are not using the hand sanitizer and the wipes on. They're just not because people just got tired of it. So we have to wash up. We have to start wearing our masks, okay? We have to do that no matter what. You know, I know it's political. I know it's whatever you can, whatever people want to say, but we know that if you are spitting virus at people, out of your nose and out of your mouth, if you put something in front of that, it won't be as much. Boom, bottom line. So we need to wash up, we need to mask up. We need to separate. We can't do the things that we were doing before. We can't just have a big cookout and have everybody at the, at the cookout. That's what July 4th was. That's why we had this big surge. We cannot do that. So we have to go back, we have to separate, and we have to vaccinate. If we do those things, we'll go back to being normal. But until we do that, we will continue to see these variants. And furthermore, the variants that are coming, one of the ones is called the Lambda. It's in Peru. It's affected 72% of the people in Peru. There's very sneaking suspicion that the vaccine is going to be less effective to that particular variant. Ouch. What about the children, Dr. Aber? What about yeah. the children? What are yeah. you telling the parents of your patients? Well, it, the interesting part about the children is that children still, even with all the increased cases, 
children still by and large do not get very, very sick. They are starting to get sicker, but it's still not a lot, but they are getting sick now. But one thing about the children, especially over the age of three or four, they like to wear masks. They wear masks because that's all they know. They don't, my daughter's seven, almost seven years old and she won't leave the house without a mask because that's all she knows. It's the it's the political people that are older than that act crazy about the mask. So as long as we can get the children to make it part of what they normally do, then they will be okay. But you got to remember that children don't make the decisions in their households. The parents do. And the, if the parents don't want to wear masks, then they're going to tell their children not to wear masks. And that's the issue. Mask mandates are very important. I think that that be the um the, the linchpin in, in all of this. Um it's gonna have to be mass mandates um and, and very serious mass mandates and also vaccine mandates across the country. I would be very irresponsible not to address all of my hospitality industry listeners. When we went through the first phase of this horror movie, the restaurants all closed up. The bars yep. closed and they didn't get to open for a long time. And now we've been making some serious progress back in the other direction. What do you have to say about what we should do and what restaurateurs and hospitality workers should be doing? Well, I, I have to say, uh, it makes me very, very sad that, that we have to kind of go back to where we were because those people took it. They took it on the chin and it makes me even more sad to know that they risked their lives to make us feel normal. Uh, I mean, you know, like that people, nobody gives credit to the lady that's at the grocery store that's that's bagging your groceries, you know, and, and is there for eight hours and you're, and you're yelling in her face every day. Nobody's you know, thanking the bartender that because you're so stressed out, you need to have a drink and you need to talk to people and they're going there serving those drinks. Nobody's thanking them. Those are true frontline workers, just like the doctors. Um, so it's going to be tough for them not to. Um, to be able to, to have their wherewithal. A lot of them um, apparently, if they you know, are, are getting unemployment um, and, and after talking to some of the uh, proprietors, they're saying that's why it's very hard for them to staff places now because the people would rather you know, get unemployment than, than work. And I don't know that that's true. I think that that's a little bit of a, uh, I think that's a little stretch because I know my people that, that are in the industry and they hate to be home. They want to be doing what they've chosen in their lives to be. And that is, you know, being a waiter or being a waitress or a bartender or a chef, or whatever. Um, so I, I, I'm concerned that, that they are going to, you know, that it was going to have to go back. I hope it doesn't though, because it's, um, it would just be a, a really big emotional hit for a lot of people because we're, we're very stressed out. Everybody is, um, and, and we don't like to admit it, but we are, you got to think people say, well, this happened in 1918. Um, yeah, but it didn't happen like this. And the reason why is because all they had was a newspaper back then. So that means, oh yeah, somebody's dying in Pennsylvania. Oh yeah. I heard somebody's dying in, in, in Missouri. Oh, and that's it. But now you get 24 hours, seven days a week news and you know exactly who's dying, where they're dying, you can travel anywhere, the stress level is way higher. So no one in the history of the world in written word has had some stress as much as we are having right now. Do you have any hopeful, happy words to offer us? Is there anything good you think that could possibly come from this sequel to the horror movie and having all of us survived the first horror movie, those of us who are still here? You know, the, the good the good news that I have is that if you can stay alive by doing the things I told you to do, because if you do them, you will stay alive. 
though the ability for you to be able to negotiate almost anything else for the rest of your life, it'll be like child's play. And the ability for you to know that you have the resilience, the resilience of the African slave <laughs> coming across that, you know, you, you have resilience if you make it through this. And, and it's not rocket science on how to make it through it. It's not. Wash up, mask up, separate and vaccinate, and you will be absolutely fine. You may you may feel alone for a while and you may feel like you got to catch up on a lot of books and do a lot of puzzles and watch a lot of TV. But eventually this will go away. And if you do it the right way, you will be able to celebrate the way that you should. Thank you, Dr. Bear. I appreciate this time with you so much today. I just want me and all my Louisiana Eats listeners to make it through this to the other side. And thank you for your words to help us with that. You're welcome. Thank you. Professor, medical doctor, and educator, Dr. Corey Bear. What's the safest way to handle takeout food during the COVID-19 crisis? Stay tuned, and we'll answer that question when we come right back. I'm Poppy Tooker, and you're listening to Louisiana Eats, edible content for Louisiana food lovers. Louisiana Eats is brought to you with major support from Louisiana Fish Fry, Breadings, Boils, New Air Fry Mixes, and more classic Louisiana dishes available everywhere. And from the St. Tammany Parish Tourist Commission. Louisiana's North Shore is turning up the heat for the annual Tammany Taste of Summer. Plan your escape to St. Tammany Parish for delicious adventures in dining, hotels, and other places to play in Abita Springs, Covington, Folsom, Madisonville, Mandeville, and Slidell from August 1st through August 31st. Learn how to get your own Tammany Taste of Summer pass by visiting TammanyTaste.com. Louisiana's North Shore, where New Orleans has come to play and get away for more than a century. To give you an idea of just how far we've truly come, Let's take a listen to our Popeye's quiz question from an episode recorded early in the pandemic from April 4th, 2020. Here's this week's culinary quiz question brought to you with support from Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen. What's the safest way to handle takeout food during the COVID-19 crisis? According to multiple experts, including the FDA and others, we know the virus can live for 24 hours on cardboard, but it really loves plastic and styrofoam. It's been proven to live for up to three days on polypropylene. So using gloves if possible, put the cooked food on plates and discard the gloves and the takeout containers and bags. 
then don't forget to disinfect the countertop where they were sitting. Lastly, thoroughly reheat the food before eating it. Heat kills any virus that might have contaminated it. So have that delicious takeout dinner from your favorite restaurant and stay safe. And as always, keep washing those hands. It makes a difference. Your mother was right. Okay, please do keep washing those hands. But now that we're so clear aerosol transmission is key to the spread of this disease, most of us have done away with the plastic gloves. But we do know masks are more important than ever. Since they can't be vaccinated, our children are among those at greatest risk right now. My daughter's grown, and there are no grandchildren on the horizon now, but there are two children in my life I treasure. Chef Isaac and Amanda Toop's little girls, Ivy and Poppy. Let's check in with Amanda to hear her thoughts on working and parenting during a pandemic while keeping her kids safe. Hi, everybody. I'm Amanda Toops. I'm co-owner of Toops Meadery and the wife of Chef Isaac Toops. My friendship with Amanda and Isaac Toops goes back to the time they first opened the meadery in 2012. Long before Top Chef, the James Beard nomination, and all the accolades, my personal obsession was Toops Meadery's lamb neck. And Isaac's crackling? Well, they changed my life. All those years ago, I was honored when a very pregnant Amanda told me if the baby was a girl, her name would be Poppy. And Poppy's little sister, Ivy, I've loved that little nugget since before she was a twinkle in her daddy's eye. It's been a privilege to watch those toops raise their precious two. Longtime listeners may remember Poppy and Ivy from our 2016 holiday show, where Louisiana Eats joined the Toops family for a Christmas celebration. Poppy, how old are you? Five and a half. And Ivy, can you show me even on your fingers? How old are you? Two. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, is this your blankie? Yeah. It goes, <laughs> it goes everywhere with you? Yeah. I'm warm. Which part of it do you like the best? <laughs> it's snuggly. It's snuggly, yeah. It is snuggly. Today, little Ivy is seven, and Poppy's a precocious ten and a half. As the pandemic enters its 18th month, Amanda joined us by Zoom to reflect on life as a restaurateur and mother, trying to navigate the uncertainties of the COVID-19 era, beginning in March of 2020. It was scary, really scary. I'm starting to feel some of that scare feeling again. Um, we were, of course, closed inside. And at that point, we were feeding about five to 600 people a day um, out of the restaurant. We did that immediately after when the shutdown happened, you know, middle of March. But it was it was a really scary time. And I had the kids home and was trying to homeschool in French. I don't speak French. Um, and <laughs> yes, <laughs> that because was interesting. where do your girls go to school? They go to Lycée Francais, which is great. We love it. 
And it's been very important for us for them to have a French education because of Isaac's ancestral history. So it was a lot of mom pacing around the house barefoot, like just trying to keep a hold on the grip and keep everybody calm. You know, Isaac works probably 60 to 70 days straight there, like without a day off to keep it going. And the kids, you know, were freaking out and you can't blame them. I was too in my mind. So me and Isaac were just trying to keep it calm. And the good thing about Isaac and I, after all these years is we never freak out at the same time. <laughs> so if one of us is, it's just, it's, it works for our marriage. No, we cannot freak out at the same time. So if one's freaking out, the other one's super calm. <laughs> so basically um, after homeschooling last year and, and how was that for the girls, Amanda? They hated it. They hated it. They absolutely hated it. Ivy liked it a little more than Poppy because she's still my baby. And so the idea that we were together every day for her was great. And I loved it too, to a point. And then I was like, mom has lost her identity. Like I'm trying to work from home and help them with a Zoom. And um, and then everyone's going through it. You know, your friends are, your girlfriends are, your parents are. You really went through some um, mind bending and mind expanding experiences during the time that you all were feeding the hospitality community of New Orleans. Tell me about how it went when you discovered you were feeding kids. Ooh, you're going to get me to cry on radio? Um, it was, that was heartbreaking. It really was. That, that was hard because you're a mom and so am I. I've never been in a position where I couldn't put a meal on the table. I've never been in that position. So to hear it in their voices and to know that they were beautiful, vibrant families and within weeks had bare cupboards within weeks. That's how fragile, that's how fragile food is in America. And that made me mad. It made me mad, mad and sad. It was, it was both, but I was mad. And I mean, I had, I had a mom who's, uh, they, they're great now, thank God. Um, we've kind of kept in touch, who was scared to ask for food for her kids with Isaac. She was like, look, we'll not take food for us if you can, and there's three little kids in the back of the car. And Isaac's like holding back tears and was like, no, you're taking food for everybody, you know? And so there were some people that we saw every day for months until, you know, so the employment kicked in and that definitely helped. And then it waned down. And, but, and then it stayed for a long time, still around a hundred people or a little less or a little bit more. And it's an experience that I'll never forget the rest of my life, how that went down. One of the things that I will never forget the way you responded, like you had enough on your hands at home, homeschooling two little girls in French when you don't speak the language and, you know, y'all trying to take care of everybody. And I'll never forget when the time came that you realized clearly that there were small children involved in the hungry mouths and you magically somehow turned the Toops family meal into a happy meal that Ronald McDonald couldn't hold a candle to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had some old contacts. I used to be the manager of Magic Box Toy Store on Magazine Street years ago. And I've stayed good friends with the, uh, the previous owner. She sold it now. And when I realized that there were kids and it was Easter coming, and I was like, I was like, this is, we're not doing this. Like, we're going to figure out a way to put candy in mouths and toys in hands, and we're, and we're just going to figure it out. And so I called my old friend and I said, do we still have some 
friends in the toy industry? And she said, absolutely, we do. And so she shot off some emails. And I, you know what, Instagram was my best friend because all I had to do was ask for something. And as soon as I asked for it, I mean, the inbox was full. We had something like, 20, I think Larry was estimated times 10,000 pieces of candy in the restaurant. We weren't open inside, so it was just boxes. I mean, shoulder height of candy in this in the restaurant. We managed to get a, a little over 100 Easter baskets out, all donated. It was a magical time, and it really showed you the amount of like love that there is in New Orleans. It's not like this everywhere else. It really is a special a special thing that happens here in New Orleans because we're the city that care for God. We know no one's coming to save our ass. Nobody. <laughs> Luckily, we're, we've been pretty good at saving our own. So this conversation's really about the kids. And I'm curious, what was the effect that you observed on your children? How did that experience go for them? And what did they learn? Poppy was old enough to be scared. She understood enough to be scared of what was happening. Ivy was like, yay, I'm home with mom all day. This is cool. Like she, you know, she was, she was spared a lot of the anxiety, but Poppy, I mean, there'd be days where she would just start crying and we would pick her up and throw her in the pool to like shock her out of it. And, and it would help. She would go, okay, all right, I'm, I'm here. I'm, everything's fine. You know, she would just, she was, she's, you know, she's a teen lit now. So she's was going through all the hormones. And then on top of this, I mean, kids feed off your anxiety too. You know, they feel it when you're scared and you're anxious and you don't know what's going to happen next. And, um, and so it was harder on Poppy, way harder. And I really felt for her for that because she, I think this is our ki my kids 9-11 moment or Katrina moment, that thing that's going to be with them the rest of their lives. They're, she's always going to remember this. And hopefully all of us can help our kids through it as best as possible. And going back to school really helped for her just because she needed to be around other kids. Yeah. They went back to school in mid-March 2021. So I had them home a year and it was like an attitude adjustment immediately. They were happier. You know, and, and like they're used to the mask now. They are used to it. They don't even complain about it anymore. They just consider it part of the uniform. And they they really did manage to go back and 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 rally those last few months before summer. Now we're just getting concerned about this the health situation again. What's gonna happen with schools? You know, my friend who works at the school, she doesn't seem to think it's gonna be tenable to be in person. That scares the heck out of me. Cause you know who the only people around me that are not vaccinated are kids. Right because they can't be. Right. And Ivy's, you know, just seven. So when is it, I mean, when is it even going to be time for her? You know, I mean, Poppy up being 10 and a half, hopefully she's in the next phase. Well, she's even conversant about it, right? Yes. She wants to know when she can get vaccinated. At first she was like, I don't want to have to take two shots. And I was like, do you want to live in a mask forever? She was like, I'll take the shots. <laughs> I mean, she was like, <laughs> she was like, never mind. <laughs> Argument mute. So looking at this school year, I mean, theoretically, how, do, how are you feeling about the kids in school? Do, oh, do masks, how are you feeling about masking and school? And what's in your mother's heart? I like the masks. <laughs> I do. My kids are used to wearing them. My mom makes some custom ones with fun prints. And, you know, we, we make the best out of it. Ivy kind of considers it, considers it part of like a dress up thing to her as accessory. 
you know, <laughs> she's like, oh, I like this one with my dress, you know, she's so to her, it's accessory. And that, that sucks to be in school all day like that or at work, if you're at work, but it is what it is. And, you know, and they understand it. I was like, we don't want to be at home forever. And that's kind of that, that's what it feels like the choice is right now that, that I'm hopeful that every one of the teachers in the school is vaccinated. Um, and that all the, all the kids who can be vaccinated there will get vaccinated and that we can keep our kids safe and healthy and in school in person. You know, the way I see this, Amanda, is that you have spent a good part of the last year trying to make sure everybody and their kids were okay. And um, I personally have this sense that turnabout is fair play and that it is now time for people to help you. What can people do to help you in regards to the safety of your children? Well, as a mom, I think that what I want to protect my children is to ask that everyone get vaccinated and wear their masks and make sure our kids are wearing masks in school, that we're washing hands and that we are following every safety protocol and listening to the science. Mask up, get vaccinated so we can get through this. I want to protect my children. They are the most vulnerable right now. Everyone around me is vaccinated except them. It means so much to have another mother's point of view, and I'm very grateful to always have you there. Thank you for having me. Amanda Toops, co-owner of Toops Meadery and Poppy and Ivy's mama. Our final guest is my friend, Laveau Contraire. If you've ever attended a Poppy's pop-up drag brunch, you know Laveau, as she is simply one of my best brunch babes. Regular listeners will also remember Laveau from our Drag Queen Brunch episode, which aired originally in 2019. Our littlest listeners may also know Laveau from the New Orleans Public Library's Drag Queen Story Hour, where she reigns supreme reading to little ones in branches across the city. So Laveau, I know you love those little listeners out there as much as I do. Do you have a special message for them? Yes, Poppy, I do. All right, kids, listen up. I really want us to be able to do Drag Queen Story Hour again in person. So here's what I need you to do. Wear your mask, especially when you're at school. Wash your hands for a full happy birthday. And listen to your parents and teachers so that we can keep you safe and have many more Drag Queen Story Hours for years to come. Laveau Contraire. Queen of Drag Queen Story Hour and Poppy's Pop-Up Drag Brunch. That's it for this week's edition of Louisiana Eats, edible content for Louisiana food lovers. Laveau and I would love for you to join us at our free Zoom event, Poppy's Pop-Up Drag Brunch, and Drag Queen Story Hour from Home. The event will take place on Zoom on Saturday, August 28th at noon Central Daylight Savings Time and is sponsored by Crystal Hot Sauce. 
Crystal Hot Sauce, How New Orleans Does Flavor. To sign up, visit poppytooker.com. And although I'm only popping up this month online, Laveau and her bevy of beauties will be hosting Poppy's Pop-Up Drag Brunch at Tujac's Restaurant on Sunday, August 29th. Call Tujac's for reservations, 504-525-8626. Catch up on previous editions of Louisiana Eats on poppytooker.com, where we have 10 years of Louisiana Eats editions available for pod and webcasting, along with recipes and cooking class videos, too. If you like our show, please rate it on your preferred podcast platform. Don't forget to subscribe to Louisiana Eats for extra content, including exclusive podcasts and more. Louisiana Eats is made possible with major support from Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen, Louisiana Fish Fry, Camellia Brand Beans, Crystal Hot Sauce, Rouse's Markets, the St. Tammany Parish Tourist Commission, and from D'Agostino Pasta. Handcrafted in Louisiana from semolina wheat and air-dried over rods and wooden cellars, D'Agostino Pasta is made just as it's been done in Sicily for centuries. Visit D'AgostinoPasta.com to learn more. Support for Louisiana Eats also comes from Gulf Coast Blenders. For more than 30 years, Gulf Coast Blenders has produced custom spice and dry blends for restaurant concepts across the country. Gulf Coast Blenders, dry ingredient blends with New Orleans roots. To learn more, visit GulfCoastBlenders.com. Original theme music composed by David Pomerleau and performed by Johnny Sketch and the Dirty Notes. Big thanks to senior producer Joe Schreiner and producer and special projects manager Reggie Morris and to our business manager and social media maven Maddie Molladew. Catch up with us anytime on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook too. Louisiana Eats is a production of Poppy Tooker Broadcasting.